0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Whenever you're listening, we're filming. It's Sunday evening, November 19th, uh, Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving's on the way. Uh, before we do that, we're uh, we're going to talk some Knicks. The New York Knicks select Christoph Horzinga. posted toes, puffing and stuffing. Again, igniting and exciting the Garden crowd. Welcome to Talking Knicks. Um, I'm joined by Tom, Thomas
2: J. Piccolo. Tom? Hello, hello, Jake. Tom, how are you? I'm doing well, man. This is my first time on Talkin' Knicks since the preseason pod, so... Ooh! Yeah. Ooh. We're back. We're back to Talk Knicks.
1: Well, uh, I'm sure you know the Knicks are undefeated, so we're glad to have you back
2: on the show. Um What have you been up to in those past couple weeks? Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of basketball potting. So just talking about the league in general. But you know what? I decided that the Knicks are the more interesting storyline here. There, I mean, it's Thanksgiving week. I'm, I'm thankful for Kristaps Porzingis. That's for sure. It's and, Thanksgiving uh,
1: time. Yeah, it's
2: time for Kristaps. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, man. Like, <laughs> we should just sing the whole pod. I like that. Yeah, it's going to be a singing pod, folks. So buckle up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no, Tom, we're, we're glad to have you, Tom. I'll, I'll, I'll toot your horn for you. Besides the, a lot of basketball pods, you write some stuff for the Spurs on That's true. What's, what's that website? It's pounding the, the, the rock SB nation site, pounding the rock. That's right. So Tom actually has some credentials. So I would listen when he's talking and just throw it on mute the rest of the time. Speaking of throw it on mute, Greggy Poon, how what's,
0: you doing? What's going on? Uh, how I'm are like, you? A, I'm like Tom. I've been, I've been on every pod other than the the intro pod, and yes. uh, I'd like to think I've become a fan favorite. You're, I, tough to say. I mean, I I it's have very, my doubts, but I, that's what I like <laughs> to tell myself. Very
2: limited options. Have you met uh, a fan yet? I
0: <laughs> I have not,
1: but I, I'd like to assume. We'd love to meet you guys. Tom's going to give his home address at the end of the show. Greg. Greg, it was also, was it your birthday today? It's my birthday today. How about that? Yeah. Happy birthday. Birthday Thank pod.
0: You. Appreciate How, it.
1: Like a happy birthday or like one of those emotional, like I'm getting old and sad birthdays? No,
0: we had a fun time. We went out. I went to, out to lunch with my family and some good pals. We, we right. told some jokes. Yeah. Talked some nicks. I kind of like that. Excuses to drink. But speaking of, um,
1: at this point, talking nicks, we'll. We'll get it going. I'm. I'm. I renamed the segments. I put a. I put a. Uh, Walt. Walt Frazier twist on it. I, I'm gonna go. Uh, recall the last week and bawling and recalling. Um, we had three games this week. Uh, the obvious one that we have to talk about first, not only because it was the first game this week, the Cleveland game. Which man, talk about. Hey, we. The Knicks were the topic of the world. We did it. Um, for some of the right reasons, some of the wrong reasons. LeBron had his just weird kind of out of nowhere <clears throat> trash talk to Frank Nitty, which was actually towards Phil Jackson, but delivered so poorly. It got him into a street fight with Enos. And then uh, Frankie Buckets kind of threw a shoulder into him, and the fireworks started going. The Knicks are blowing them out. Times are great. And then the best player on the earth takes over, Kyle Korver, and goes nuts uh really tough i mean i you know we'll i i think we'll th- the rest of the games it was kind of an ugly night in toronto they lost that they they weren't getting any of the 50-50 balls jazz game nice home comeback but i mean the main
2: topic's going to be this cleveland game and i'll i'll pass it to you tom where
1: where are you at on that and 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 the rest of the week as a whole
2: yeah so i i just went back and rewatched crunch time of that cavs game and um i mean really the turning point of it was with just under two minutes and 30 seconds left, Porzingis, very uncharacteristic of him, missed just clang two free throws in a row. And I don't know if we want to chalk that up to his, to his elbow pain that he's been having recently. He said it's not bothering him right now. But he missed those two free throws that would have put them up, I think it would have put them up five, and it turned into a, a Channing Fry three on the other end. And um, on the next possession, Frank Nitty came down. He got ripped by Dwayne Wade. And uh, that led to that possession where LeBron hit that ISO three on on Porzingis that was making its rounds around the internet. So that was just sort of the, the defining sequence that put the Cavs up three and up for good in that game. And and it really did start with those those two missed free throws. And I don't want to throw too much shade at Porzingis because he's been very clutch. And the Knicks have been the best team in crunch time all year. So that was more of an aberration than anything. And not something I'd worry about. But um, I mean, that's just kind of how that, that
0: game went down. What, what about you, Greg? What do you think? Yeah. I mean that's the that's the crunch time turning point for me. The the first like turning point of oh no, this is bad was in the third quarter. We were up twenty three, with about we got it was twenty. Tw- we were up twenty with about fifty six seconds left or something, and the Cavs had basically just given up. Just put in they took out their five stars and just put in five new guys. We were like you guys are horrible. Steady Oseman. Steady
1: Oseman played Oseman.
0: six minutes said, Yosman, you're in. Just They were giving up, basically. And then Hornacek matches that, and he's like, okay, you're going to do that. I'm going to take out Tim Hardaway Jr. and Enos Cantor right now with 50 seconds left. And they, they lost five points of, of the 20-point lead in those 50 seconds, which is tough to do, but they did it. And then being down 15 is way better than being down 20 going into the fourth quarter. And then second turning point, other than all every single three that went into the basket, was LeBron just his his spin move, and one where he just like carried the ball even by NBA standards. I don't want to sounds like I'm a a homer Knicks fan saying that, but that was unbelievable. That he just went full football player on it, cuffed it, dribbled it again, then got an and one layup, which. But you hate and that that got it to single digits for the first time in a long time. And so you were like, All right, well, fun while it lasted. And Yeah, I
2: mean the Cavs really did play possum there. They like we thought they were dead, and then you know, Hornicec kinda let his guard down there for a minute, and that's kinda literally all it took. But I do have one axe to grind about Cantor, if you guys don't mind. Grind Uh, that axe, Tom. Look, I was so I like I said, I rewatched Crunch Time and Cantor's man just kept screening for Kyle Korver and like any aware big man would have just hedged out a little bit to contest or just make it life a little difficult for Kyle Korver. But Cantor was just flat footed possession after possession after possession. And so finally with just over three minutes left, Hornacek had to put Lance Thomas in for him. But I mean, the damage had been done. Like Cantor just couldn't even move his feet. At all to to try and stop Corver, who was clearly the hot hand there, and who was carrying that Cavs offense down the stretch. It it was really it really bothered me seeing you know because Cantor he, he has that reputation of being not a very good defensive player, and just seeing it hurt them so tangibly there was a uh, like I said my axe to grind.
1: Yeah, and Tom, I know you you brought it up to us uh, kind of midweek this week that Cantor's got some advanced stats and some not so advanced stats that look pretty bad for him, right? Doesn't he have one of the worst plus minuses on the team at the end of the day?
2: Yeah. I know people love the stats, so I'm going to go, right. you know, we all say we're the stat guy, but I'm, I'm kind of that guy right now. So I, I'd look this up Cantor right now. He does have the second worst uh, difference in that rating on the team. So the, the, the Knicks rather are 10 points per 100 possessions better when Cantor sits on the bench. And that is obviously pretty telling, but he has some good advanced stats too. Like you said, he's been the best player in the league on post-ups among guys who have posted up the ball, I think like 40 times. Um, Yeah. So 23 players have at least 40 post-ups Cantor ranks first in efficiency there and Porzingis ranks third. So the Knicks are like, you know, going old school with the post-up offense, but also Cantor's like rim protection has been solid too. Um, he's top 10 in the league in that among like 51 players who have defended 55 shots at the rim. So, you know, some of these numbers look good, but when you just see the product as a whole, it is the, the Knicks are just frankly a better team with Cantor on the bench.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little interested to see how that plays out on the, on the front of, I want to say that's a little skewed right now. I, I think there's a couple, it's still early in the season. I think the Knicks bench is supposed to be a strength for their team. So I think you're going to see some decent plus minuses from them. And, but it it's, it's definitely something you can't ignore. And, you know, you mentioned those possessions and Cantor's not known as a defensive guy. So I, I know Greg, you were about to chime in something there.
0: Yeah. And coming off that bad defensive fourth quarter in the Cavs game, he didn't play in the fourth quarter of the the jazz comeback game. So shows you that sometimes he's he's not the perfect center to have on the floor. Maybe yeah. crunch crunch time. I mean, even with the Thunder, crunch time, he was he's on the bench a lot. Yeah, there's there's some teams
1: he could not play against. Let like their his last playoff series with OKC, okay, he couldn't get off the bench, which I, I think is going to be something to watch. I I know Tom, we're catching you up on these talking next. That the one of the sexier topics throughout is the big man minutes with. Willie hasn't been playing much, and I, I think we'll touch upon it a little later in the show. Um, yeah, I, I, but I mean, kind of finishing the the week in review. I, another great comeback win against the Jazz. Um, the the shooting guards, THJ and Courtney Lee, both played pretty well. And um, man, it's just it's. I, I'll say if there's little, I I still don't know how the end of this season is going to be. Smoking, spoken about in Knicks land, but man, the Garden's been rocking, which is is just awesome. Again, i I've, I've been mentioning that every show, but it's it's really something that. I, I mean, we got a taste of it uh the year that the the Knicks finished se- second second in the East that year, third in the East. I was I was messed, it always shocks me that it was second, <laughs> um, but it's it's good to see that magic in the Garden and. Um, at Toronto was just, man, that, that. Greg, your your signature line is sometimes the ball doesn't go in. And there was a little of that going on. And just like, I don't want to say it was a, it it, was, it didn't feel like a lack of effort. And it didn't feel like hideous basketball. It was just like, not good. I don't. There, there's a great summary. Can you guys
0: <laughs> correct at, that? I, at one point in the third quarter, the Knicks had three turnovers on the game and they were losing by 21. So I think that that summarizes how the game went. They just shot the ball and missed every single time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable not talking about that Raptors game at all. I didn't think that was really representative of, of how the Knicks have played. And it just, yeah, that seemed like more of the aberration than anything. But uh, the Jazz game, I thought, was, was an awesome uh, showing. I, the, in terms of crunch time, the Knicks pulled it out again. Hardaway and Porzingis combined for the team's last I think 14 points together which is pretty amazing and um I mean and Greg mentioned it earlier but just to to go back on Cantor for one more thing he was taken out with like three minutes left in the third quarter the Knicks were down by eight and then they'd go on to outscore the Jazz by 13 the rest of the way without him in and you know not not to keep you know I don't want to keep piling on Cantor here. Cause I know he has, he's very valuable in some ways. It's just, you wonder if he's the right fit with this team and with, with uh, Billy Hernan, Go- Hernan, Gomez, not getting minutes. And, you know, we saw him last year have potential to be a, very, a pretty special player. So I just, I'd like to see at some point the minutes skew towards Hernan Gomez instead of Cantor, but we'll see. I, th- I think you want to keep running him over Tom
1: um, TBH. T- but um let's that, that's kind of the week that was. Um it's it's kind of a bummer because I know Greg and I have been talking about pivot games in the week. And it was kinda of awesome this week because we kind of we thought we'd kind of get the Cavs game. It was at home, the Cavs are still playing bad basketball. We said the Jazz game was gonna be the the pivot game this week. And I I don't know, it'd be interesting if we won that Cleveland game, I think our how, how we're depicting things right now, I, I think, would be very different. I think we'd be upbeat. Knicks are going to have <laughs> a top four seed in the East. And now I think we've, we've come back to Earth a little bit, which might not be a bad thing. But the narrative, Jake, that's what we say in the The meeting. narrative, narrative. Well, um, I like to tell people I don't have a good brain. So moving on. Uh, and so this previously layup lines, I'm, I'm going warming and performing. I really like this one. Uh, I, I think that might've been the only good one I've used, so we'll, we'll go with it. Um, and it was, it was a layup last week and I, I think it still needs to be a discussion and it's part of a heavier discussion, but, uh, you know, we, we got a good chuckle out of it. Noah, you know, Noah came back. He's off his suspension. He did. We're, we're, we're talking about how, uh, how he's going to fit in and he, uh, <laughs> DNP didn't dress, didn't dress for the game. So he's, um. Again, kind of living the dream, making a pretty penny, getting front row seats to every game, gets to hang out with the other players. Pretty nice situation. Um, Tom, I, uh, Greg, and I have kind of delved into it last week. Um, I, I guess you're you're kind of the new voice here. What? Give us some perspective on Noah, and do you, where do you think he fits in with this Knicks team, if at all? Or or what do you what do you have?
2: d Jake, did not dress. That's that's tough to swallow there. Um i am I'm Joe uh, Kim. Okay, that's not good. You got it. All right, so Joe Kim Noah, I just saw a quote from him yesterday in the New York Post. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, when asked if he foresees a role, Noah said, what can I bring? I don't know. When asked if he feels he can still be close to the player he was in his 2013-14 campaign, Noah said, probably not. Probably not. So I think I'm sort of in line with Noah's expectations at this point. Um, He seems like a pretty self-aware dude. I don't expect Hornacek even said outright he doesn't plan to make any changes in his rotation in the near future. So I think what we're seeing now is going to be representative of what we see going forward. I don't expect Noah to play much of a role on the court at all. I think he'll be a professional in the locker room, a a leader, a voice. But it's hard for your voice to carry any weight if you're not actually doing anything. So, I mean, we'll see how this goes. Um, I'm not particularly hopeful, but, you know, that's kind of not my role on this pod. So, Greg, any levity here?
0: Yeah, I think that Joe Kim Noah's contract is so bad. How bad is it? It's so bad that if – no that even if he played well, no one would take him on their team. That's how bad it is. And that's, that's where Jeff Hornacek is at. He's like, I guess I could play this guy, but at the end of the day, there's no chance that we're going to be able to get rid of him. So you can't like play him to build up his trade value because that value doesn't exist. Even if he, I don't know, like he's not going to play like an all-star nobody expects that. And even if he did, would and people could be like he was injured for the last year and a half? Are we sure this is actually going to stay? But we don't even have to worry about that because that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, he's. I, I mean the the big man dilemma has been our
1: biggest topic this um, this season so far. And I mean i i I don't want to deep dive it right now. I mean I think you guys are right. I I guess coming into it last week, I still expected. Like that cat, the Cavaliers game is a great example. You know, it, it, the game hit garbage time for 50 seconds (laughs) and it, I don't know. I feel like that would have been an interesting time to see. Cause I guess what I'm still in on is that Joe Kimno is and was, I believe a good passer. So if he can play okay defense and he can pass the ball, with this team has moments where they move the ball really well i i think joe kemnoa for a big man can can really swing the rock so i i don't know i guess i was interested to see him in some potential lineups but it looks like until there's a trade or until i i don't know until there's an epidemic in new york city i i don't think we're going to see big bro joe right
2: yeah. well, Jake, you know who else is good at swinging the rock and playing defense is I know we're going to get to him later, but it's Kylo Quinn. I mean, Kylo, Kylo Quinn, he, Kylo. So the Knicks, uh, we talked about net rating before, the Knicks play, they're nine points per 100 possessions better when Kylo Quinn is on the court versus when he sits. That's the third best on the team. It goes Kristaps Porzingis, Frank Ntilikina, and then Kylo Quinn. So the fact that KOQ's been having a hard time just seeing floor time is really surprising to me. I'm going to table that for later with Kylo Quinn because
1: I, I think it, it's going to lead into more of the big man discussion, but also kind of what he's been up to. But we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a little bit. We're, we're going to move on um, one of my topics and deciding and dividing. Like that's a terrible one. I got to get rid of that, but uh, I'll let it ride for now. Um, and it, it was actually a, a similar area of the show last week, but the bench mob um, supposedly a strength on this team. I, I believe a strength on this team and they kind of had a tough week. Nobody averaged more than seven points per game. Um, Kylo Quinn, who Tom just mentioned some great numbers on him, only averaged 12 minutes per game this week. He got um, three points, five rebounds per game. Dougie Fresh had a tough shooting week, 25% from three, 25% from the field. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going to table the next one I had on there. But and I'm I'm gonna start with start with the three guys a little bit because it's kind of going off of Beasley with, with Beasley, uh, Lance Thomas and Doug McDermott. How do we? How do you, Tom? You're again. You're my stats guy. I always reference you as that. How would, do you want to see those guys fit into this Knicks team? I mean, when when it's right, Doug, you know. Doug and Lance offense, defense makes a lot of sense. I mean, do you think it's sustainable? Do you see one of those guys taking an edge? Is it matchup versus matchup Um, or just
2: go Beasley all 48 minutes? As tempting as the Beasley 48 option is. (laughs) The thing is, that's the nice thing about the modern NBA is that these types of wings, you don't have to just play one at the small forward spot, right? Like you can have, like the Celtics do with Jalen Brown at the two, and you know Jason Tatum at the three, and Marcus Morris at the four. Like you could run these guys a two, three, four, and as long as you have some playmaking and Porzingis at the five, then like that—that's a workable lineup. You know what I mean? So, or just play, being able to just yep playmaking with Noah at the five. I think you meant with Noah at the five. Yeah, I I, I think Frank Nitty at the one, and then just like. Throw out some of those wings, like Courtney Lee kind of counts as one. But I mean, play Lance Thomas and Doug McDermott together. You know, what? like Lance at the four, Doug at the three. The, the defense has been surprisingly good with McDermott on the court. Um, so I don't even know that's necessary at this point to run him, like to sit him on defense um, towards the ends of ends of games. He's been he's been really good. So I mean, I, one thing I noticed in the Cavs game was that Courtney Lee was starting on LeBron. At some points, and that was a huge problem. He just does did not have the size or strength, and was just getting taken to task. So, I mean, not that McDermott could keep up with LeBron, but Lance is an option. There are no good options, but Lance is an option. Beasley is an option. Beasley's huge. They list him at six ten. Um, I mean, anytime LeBron, I think if if he's going up against someone who's a primary ball handler like LeBron, he could do an okay job. Maybe he's not going to be chasing guys off screens, and you know like paying attention to off ball action. But I think if you're saying, Hey guard LeBron, I think he's athletic enough. He can do that.
0: Yeah. As well, as well as anyone on the Knicks. go, go Greg. Yeah. I mean, I love Lance Thomas, but I, I don't really like people who only play defense, to be honest with you. And he does that. He's like, he he shoots well from three, but he dribbles the ball too much for me. Like when he puts the ball on the floor, it just looks like he he doesn't have a plan. He's just like, no. oh, I guess I have to dribble to try to help the team. But then from there, he's he he's not sure what he's what he's gonna do. Is he gonna shoot it? Is he gonna pass it? If he if he really commits to like the three and D, just stand in the corner, kind of role. I think he he'd probably be better off. To be honest, I like the guy. Put him in the game. Knocked down a couple threes. That seems to be what he was doing two years ago when he was, like, a really good addition to the Knicks. So get him back I, doing that.
1: I, I know Tom, Tom mentioned it there, kind of finishing lineups. And I, I know it's kind of a game-to-game thing, and there's different matchups within the game. And it, it, it's kind of a – it can be a good thing. If someone's having a good night, kind of let it ride, you know, leave them in there, have them finish the game. In an ideal Knicks game – do we see Lance or Doug McDermott on the floor to finish a game? Do we think – like if Doug McDermott's having a good shooting night, is he the ideal Knicks I, I finishing, rock, finishing the game kind of guy?
0: I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah? I, I think – I mean, we keep we, – I, I feel like we say this every week, but we want him to be like our Kyle Corver we yeah. we just need somebody who's knocked down, and he he's not just a shooter. He runs well off the ball. He runs around screens. He gets gets people working. And if if he's playing like okay defense, then he's a trustworthy offensive weapon. So he's he's worth playing. And same with Lance Thomas, but except like with if he's playing great defense, then you could live with his offense.
2: Yeah, I I mean I like I like McDermott. Finishing games. Um Tim Hardaway Jr. is another guy we haven't talked that much about, but I mean we mentioned at the top, he's been really good. Yeah. Um, had a good week. He had a really good week. He's creating offense pretty efficiently. Um, I mean that jazz game, he hit he took one really dumb three that I thought was gonna be and then Porzingis took one like right after that I thought was gonna be their undoing. And Joe Ingles hit a three to put to make it a one possession game. But um I know we weren't just talking about Tim Hardaway Junior, but I mean, he's a guy who, <laughs> yeah. There's a little tangent, um, but yeah, I think Frank Nitty, Tim Hardaway Jr., Doug McDermott, and then like Lance Thomas and Porzingis as a closing five. Do you guys? Kylo Quinn, maybe. Yeah, it, Lee. I, I like Porzingis.
1: Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. got to be in the, the, the finishing five. Tom hates Courtney Lee.
2: Tom, oh, talk okay. about how much you hate Courtney Lee. I don't hate Courtney Lee. No, he's. <laughs> I know he had, he had a pretty good week too. So, it's just the team starts looking
0: pretty small, but it's small ball, babe. And he's a, he's a defensive stopper at the two position. He can't guard the but you you put him on an Evan Fournier, then then we'll talk. Yeah, it's kind of the Knicks. <laughs> we we talked about it last show. How
1: it's kind of funny that Courtney Lee was like our <laughs> our number one option some nights last year, and it's it's all depending what his role is like. Courtney Lee, Greg, you kind of said it best, like when we're putting him ISO to guard LeBron and like when he's our go-to option on offense, that's a tough spot for Courtney Lee. (laughs) He's, he's been in the league for a long time. It's like it's 12 seasons or something like that. 12, 13 seasons, which pretty well, good for Courtney Lee. Um, But yeah, when he's the the fourth scoring option or the fifth scoring option and he's guarding a not LeBron type, Courtney Lee is a pretty, pretty valuable player. And I, you know, Jakey segues I he because he was my next topic in this and I you know this was kind of my there was wavering thoughts this week you know we've we've been all gung-ho you know we've been talking about Knicks <laughs> we mentioned the seventh playoff spot last week we got all excited about that I and I know there's still a big part of Knicks Nation that saying okay this was fun but we should still probably be losing and get a pick um I, so this is, I don't know if this is hot take-ish. First take. Do we think Courtney Lee finishes the season on the Knicks? I i don't know. I guess that, that was a, a topic that came across because before the season, it seemed like a no-brainer. And then this hot start kind of skewed things a little bit. Now, I, I don't know. He, he's still so much valuable on a contending team, right?
2: Well, yeah, I just want to redeem myself real quickly by amending that crunch time lineup to- because I really do think that Courtney Lee should be in it. I think it should be Frank Nitty, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway, Jr, Doug McDermott that's where it starts,
1: that's where it starts to get tricky, right? Because that's now you're playing serious small ball and you have
2: defensive liabilities, right? I made my choice, man. I think okay. that's, I think that's the final five. I really do. I mean. Frank Nitty and Courtney Lee defending the perimeter is really tough. And then Porzingis, guys, I want to hit you with a Porzingis stat that that might just blow your mind. So I I mentioned it a little bit. but So 51 players have defended at least 55 shots at the rim, okay? 51 players in the league have done that. Porzingis ranks first in rim protection by more than 10%. So the difference between Kristaps and the number two player, Paul Millsap, is the equivalent between Paul Millsap and the 24th place player. It's just his rim protection has been unparalleled this year. And so that's why I kind of like think that not that that's a sustainable number, because holding players to like 36% shooting at the rim is there has to be some luck involved there, but it's also has to do with being seven foot three and really long and able to jump Tommy stats. Holy smokes. Isn't that crazy stat? Like 10% better than anyone else. So. Um, that's why I, I have some faith in putting Porzingis at the five in crunch time line, crunch time lineups.
0: I'm going to jump in with that. And I think I like that final five, but I, I'd say if, if Frank finds his shot and he's, he's an offensive weapon, I think you could sub out McDermott for, for Lance Thomas. But if he doesn't, then you, you need the offensive weapon rather than having Frank. But then back to answering Jake's question, I, don't think it's possible to say right now, based on this start, whether Courtney Lee will last season. It'll it'll be a trade trade deadline decision. We'll see that where the Knicks are in the standings, and I, I think that if they're like, I don't know, two or three games out, I think that they have to keep him just because you're a go for the playoffs
1: guy. You're you're I, you're a casual. Hey, win the championship if you yeah,
0: can. Yeah, i mean. I'm one of those Knicks fans that roots for the Knicks to win. I know not all yeah. of them, all not of all, all of them do that. But I think we're, we're just gonna have to wait and see. And I mean, after after not making the playoffs for a few years, getting the eight seed is is good enough for one season. I know you want to win the championship eventually, and having better draft picks might help you. But we're we're in a drought right now, and we'd like to make the playoffs.
2: I came into the season fully expecting the Knicks to tank and it having nothing to do with their decision to tank. I thought they were just going to be so bad that they had no other alternative, but I've been proven completely wrong on that. And I think all of us underestimated the leap that, that Porzingis was going to make this year. And so I'm with Greg here that if they have a chance to make the playoffs, I, I've completely flipped my script here. They should go make the playoffs. Like I, th- I think, the experience that gets for the young guys, like you you can't really, you know, simulate that in practice, what that stage is like, what MSG is like, um, come playoff time, or even at the end of the regular season when games truly matter. Like I, I'm fully on board. that if they are in the running, they should go for it. Um I, I think Lee should end the season a nick. I even heard some talk on uh Nate Duncan's podcast about Kylo Quinn uh becoming a trade asset with how well he's played, but with the way with you know, kind of how, how inconsistently Hornacek has been playing him. It's like, they aren't really interested in building his trade value so much either. So, you know, I, am on board with, with not, with keeping the team together. And if there's a chance to make the playoffs,
0: if Porzingis stays healthy, just go for it. Jake, I got a, I got a good question. Do, you, do you think that Cantor, Kylo Quint, and Willie Hernandez all survive the season on the Knicks? I don't know. I just think so. There's, there's a lot of different things
1: at play here, right? Cause it was, at first it was get the high draft pick. We still want to see Chris Stapps do well. We want to see Frank develop and like, that's it. Like, like if we ideally, if we could lose every game at the buzzer, Chris Stapps goes for 30, Frank shows some potential. Like that was kind of the ideal season going in. Now it's kind of changed. Chris Stapps, already has made the leap that we kind of expected to see or we hope to see two years, um, kind of after this season. And they're, they're playing some fun basketball and it's kind of a diluted East. And now it's the experience thing, right? If you know, there was rumors coming into this season that Chris Stapps didn't want to stay in New York because it was kind of a failing franchise. So then like getting him to the playoffs, getting playoff experience, kind of building on that, um, that became the thing. So I don't know, for me, it's just tough. Kylo Quinn is very valuable and he's a part of the bench. I, he just, his future, when you're looking at the Knicks future, I, you don't necessarily see him. And if he's not a part of it, you don't think it's, it's a problem. Cantor Cantor's interesting to me. Cause like Tom said, there's, There's some good stats. There's some bad stats. His contract's kind of tough, but he comes off the books next year, I believe. I think that would be something to watch because I think the thing that's frustrating, but Knicks fans haven't really been able to fully depict is that Cantor's definitely better at it. But Cantor does what Willie Willie does. (laughs) Will Bill. I mean, he just if Will Bill does it at a B minus or a C plus Cantor does it at an A minus or a B plus. So it's, it's one of those things. I don't know. I don't know what potential deal could be out there, but so, so we talked about that experience and they talked about Willie Hernan Gomez is a part of the future. Well, we've got part of our future getting, you know, DNP CDs. And at, at a certain point, you know, are, are we going to, lose a year of experience for Willie Hernan Gomez over trying to win the eight
0: seed. That just doesn't seem like good business for me. Whew. You like that? That's a good answer. That's a good answer. And I'm thinking that if we're going for this eight seed, one of those guys might be the asset to be on the way out to get a piece. That's another option. So it's either one of them going out in order to, to help us, make the playoffs or one of them going out in a fire sale for a draft pick. So either way, I, it would make sense for not all three of them to be on the team at the end of the year. My
2: vote would be for Cantor, but I think I made that clear already. I I think that the option isn't whether to have Hernan Gomez sit on the bench and make the playoffs. I think that Hernan Gomez can play and still be in the running for an AC. I think he's, as effective a player as Cantor is when he's given a chance. I, I think he showed that last year. So, I, I mean, I, I, Cantor makes a lot of money. I don't know that. And he, he has a pretty high standing with the coach and the team. You know, he sets hard screens. He rolls to the rim hard. He's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. The Knicks actually are the best offensive rebounding team in the league, which is huge too. So, I mean, like I said, Cantor does do a lot of good things. I know I was hard on him earlier, but um, I, I think Hernan Gomez is really good too. So, um, it's, was that it's, your question? I don't. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's kind of been – it's one of the main underlying storylines of the season right now. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just – it's tough to see, and then you start thinking of Knicks pieces that could potentially be traded at some point. And, you know, we've already mentioned Noah's an atrocity. Cantor, you'd get pennies on the dollars or almost have to package something else with it. And when you start thinking of something else on the Knicks – it's basically Kylo Quinn or Willie, <laughs> um, you know. I, I guess Doug or Lance, but I, I don't see them having much appeal to other teams over than where they're at with the Knicks right now. So, I don't know. De- definitely something to watch, um, and, and I feel that's how that that conversation always ends. But it really is, and I don't think you can make make the final call on it. Um, I th- the other topic I had in you know, it seems we've been miles since I said deciding and dividing. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure the fans are glad I said that phrase again, but the other thing that, and I, I'm, I'm going to pass the baton to Greg first. Cause I, I think we stand for sure on the same, same area. Of this is with Frank, there were points when, so it goes back to that whole concept, right? Where, we're okay with frank doing wrong at this point right like we we've seen the potential we we know what it can be but we still know he's a 19 year old rookie point guard in the nba and i greg and i were talking about how there's some times when teams are begging him to shoot and he's not pulling the trigger and i i'm not saying every time that he gets a little bit of space jack it up but man if a defense is gonna sag off you like I forget which game it really set out. It was either when the Cavs game, when things were kind of coming down. I think it was Toronto too, when the whole team was kind of playing bad. It was like, Hey man, pull it and, you know, see what happens. You you've got a decent shot. Again, you're, the numbers at the end of the year aren't going to be that pretty, but Greg, this, this guy's got to shoot a little more to at least extend the defense and have them extend to him. Right.
0: Yeah, definitely. Frank fire away. Um, the one thing I'll say is he's got to fire away on catch and shoots the most. When he gets the ball, he, he'll he pump fake and not even, like, it's, it's like a, going through the motions. He's just doing a pump fake to pump fake. Everyone knows nothing's going to happen. But he just has to shoot that. But during the – this week he started shooting more, but he was basically just dribbling around, and then he'd be like, oh, I guess I'm open. I'll shoot it and you would shoot it, but that's, that's really not within the flow of the offense. That's more of a, I mean, I guess I'll shoot it, which, I mean, take that too. Just get your shots up, but when, when they're giving you that space, d- drive. We don't want you just dribble, 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 jump shot. That's, that's ugly. From You don't really want to see that from anybody, to be honest. And When you're getting your space, he's got to learn to drive too, so we just want him to learn how to do everything you're not going to hear any arguments
2: from me guys. Like I, I think, you know, rookies need to get their shots up and make their mistakes and take their lumps. So you look at the, the bottom of the league in field goal percentage right now, it's all rookies, mostly rookie point guards. And, you know, Frank's just got to get his usage rate up and, and learn by doing and all of that. So like, I'm, I'm on board with all that. I want him to make his mistakes. And, you know, I, we don't want to do it to the detriment of the team. Cause like we said, we were talking about making that eight seed potentially. And so there's, a, there's, there's definitely a balance there. And you also don't want to ask Frank to be a player that he's not right. You want him to, to play within himself and, and be the type of player that he is. But at the same time, like, like Greg mentioned the catch and shoot plays like that's um, I mentioned Nate Duncan before he calls those record scratches. Cause if you're able to get a catch and shoot three, like that's the result of good offense, right? Like typically, and so if if you're getting a catch and shoot three and then deferring that chance, like it, it's a record scratch. It ruins the whole offense and like, you're probably not going to get a better shot than that. And so, yeah, Frank's got to let it fly. I like that. I, that was, that was some good stuff. I, I expected bad stuff out of you guys, I guess.
1: Um, Yeah, no, I, I think we're fully on board with that and it's it, but I, I, I guess we have kind of, I I don't know. We've low key talked about, it is a definite high wire act at a certain point. You know, if you're trying to win games and Frank's 0 for 3, 0 for 4 from three, and you know, he doesn't want to pull that shot. I don't know. It's, it's going to be something to watch a little bit. I, I, I think we're all on team pull it. I think he's still a little, you know, he wants to do what's best for the team. Like he, he definitely has that mentality. And I, I think right now he doesn't think his shooting is best for the team. So, I don't know. I I'd, I'd, I'd be very interested to hear what those kind of conversations would be like with himself, Hornacek, the the team as a whole. I mean, I you'd assume everyone's telling him to pull the trigger, right?
0: Definitely, they have to be. I mean, he's he's the future, and like I said, if we have another offensive weapon, then that's that just makes everything better.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that finally for the
1: fans, deciding and dividing is over. Um, you know, the, the buzzer beater used to be the big topic of the week. Now I'm going with dunking and flunking because I think you can either hammer it home or just blow the topic, which is usually my strength. But <laughs> And this is tough. I, I've mentioned with talking yanks, it usually ended with, is the team good? I think we've already covered a lot of where the team is. We've we've danced around uh, two names. And I'm I'm going to start with the not-so-positive this one, which is tough. Really tough, but Chris Stapps. I mean, he had his first kind of tough, tough week amidst these rumors and stories of the elbow injury, this, that, and the other. Which, of course, if you feed the media with that, they're going to take it and run with it. He goes 18 6 and uh, 2.3 blocks this week. We want to see this guy thrive and continue to be the 30 point per game guy. I mean, do we just have to? Are we at the point where we're expecting up and down weeks? Are is it kind of put the injury on high alert? Is it if the Knicks keep losing a little bit, or do the rumors really start popping up that maybe he gets the surgery and calls it a year and they start going back to the tank route? Um,
0: Gre- Greggy? I I mean, I think the difference this week is that now people know that Chris Stepps, Porzingis is the real deal and they're defending him differently. The Cavaliers were double-teaming him all game, so that's part of the reason why he had a, he had a down night. And I mean, he was, he had an off game against the jazz. I'll say that he, he didn't look very good. And then again, against the, the Raptors, they had a, a long physical defender in Pascal Sycam, Siakam, for Siakam. Gardner. And they were also bringing the double team when Siakam wasn't on him. And uh, uh, during the, the broadcast, they were they're pointing out that people are just being very, very physical with, with Porzingis. And, He's he's flopped a little bit, which maybe refs have taken notice of. But he's also just getting hammered, and if he if he doesn't flop, he's he's not going to get that call. And so I think the off week is partially or largely based on trying to figure out how people figuring out how they're going to defend him. And he is not really a gifted passer at this point in his career he's averaging a career low 1.1 assists per game. And for your star player who has the ball or who you, you'd basically like to have the ball every single possession. You'd like to have them average more than one assist. And especially with the double team coming, there's, there's an open man somewhere and you're seven, three, he's, he's going to figure out how to pass out of it. And it's, he's going to solve it. I, I believe at least, because once again, he could see over everyone, just like he could shoot over everyone. He could pass over everyone, and when there's a wide open man on the other side in the corner for three, he's going to start hitting that guy. Hopefully,
2: Tom, yeah, I think I think Greg nailed it. I mean, I I'm not overly concerned about Porzingis' assist numbers right now, or even his his three game shooting slump. I know Hornacek was just asked about that um, a couple of days ago, and he said, "You baseball guys will like this." He said. Didn't Aaron Judge kind of go through this? So relax, people, relax. He'll be all right, just like Aaron Judge. I don't know what that means, but Hornacek clearly does. Yeah, you were wrong. I hated that. You I didn't like that. I hated everything about that quote. Blame Hornacek. Okay, like he's yeah. he's not team swag. I know that much.
1: No, I, do we? So uh, we we've danced around a few topics. So it's let's say it's around the trade deadline, and the Knicks are currently out of the playoffs, say they're ninth or 10th in the East. How many games out of a playoff spot would you guys have to be to say, you know what, I'm okay with trading Lee or selling or Kylo Quinn, whatever it may be. Um, And and the the other part that I, I, I wasn't really joking about. I mean, if they're in that spot and you're draft pick mode, I'm all, Hey, the thing is, get that elbow taken care of. Get ready. Get yourself right. Give Frank more minutes. Get Willie more minutes. All of that. Um, how how far out do we need to see the Knicks? Is it five games? Is it three games? Is it? I don't. Basketball is a tough one because it 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 can swing a lot. It can also
0: not swing a lot. I think it's four games, Jake. Four. That's the number. That's the that's the number I'm going with. Five is like a hundred percent. You're. you're <laughs> But four, I think the Knicks probably want to lean toward the draft pick if it's at at four. Three, three got to go for the playoffs because of the drought that we're in right now. So it's pretty funny how one game could change my mind like that. Or two games could be no-brainer one way and no-brainer the other way. Just because I'm making stuff up right now.
2: Well, it's funny, Greg, because I was really going to say three games, and it's not hard. Like, three, if you're th- more than three games out, you shut it down. Like, it's, it's black and white with me. Um, the, my thing is that I've heard – I don't know that much about college basketball, but I do know that there have been, like, five different prospects who have all been touted as, like, number one overall pick quality. There's Michael Porter. There's Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, uh, that Mo Bamba guy out of Texas. Um, I mean, there's like just a lot of talent at the top of this draft, which is, which again is the, um, you know, it's, so it's tempting to to want to shut down Porzingis and, and, and get those somewhere in the top of that draft. But I think, you know, just the, the spirit of the team, like for the good of the organization, you got to try and win games, right? Like there's, there's something to that. And it's, it's tough. Cause you see all the the success that the 76ers have had, with with their process and their per- very yeah. purposeful tanking and and sort of what the the future projects for them, and it's it is tempting to just say like let's suck it up for a couple of years, but you know it it does something to a, to a player's psyche. And and Porzingis obviously wants to be playing winning basketball with a competent organization, and I, I don't think he would take too well to to just giving up, right? So he just strikes me as such a competitive guy that that doesn't really seem like an option. So I think. The Knicks should try and win games. Frankie should let it fly, and if that leads to losses, so be it. And if not, great. Let's let's go to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, five was kind of the number in my head. It's it's tough because the other part of it is like you just mentioned with the mentality of going for the playoffs. I I think the draft is very top heavy, but I think it falls off pretty quick too. I think I think the top five five guys I really like I think the top seven guys are good but the other part that's kind of tough is it's a lot of bigs um I I don't know it's 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 gonna be interesting because you you don't want to do that NBA purgatory that 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 can be a slippery cycle I interesting to see that's that's how like, you, I still end every statement I'll work on that um let's 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 make it a more positive spin and tombo you you mentioned him uh Tim Hardaway jr he had a good week, uh, 22, seven, and four with 1.7 steals. Also, I, I very much thought this was of no, only 1.7 turnovers per game, uh, 42% from three, 48% from the field, 13 of 14 from the free throw line. And man, we, we talked about while he was averaging 16, 16 points per game to start this year that he was, he was playing kind of bad. This was good, and it didn't seem not sustainable. Um, Tom, you, you wrote a delicious article on Tim Hardaway Jr. to start the season, uh, somewhat defending him, <laughs> more so defending him from yourself. Because at first, you were, you were pretty against the signing as, as, as a whole, I guess. Not, not fully, but you didn't like it. Now, I, I mean, where are you? What do, what do you think about this guy?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because like you said, when the, when the trade initially happened, I was, I was pretty down on it, but I, I went through and looked through a lot of his video, a lot of his stats and saw there was, there was something of a, of a player here that, that could work in the Knicks system that could, wasn't just a catch and shoot guy. He could create his own offense. And then the, the first couple weeks of the season happened and it was pretty dispiriting seeing just how inefficient he was. He just didn't, I mean, he was among the worst, uh, three point shooters in the league, uh, to a point there, but I mean, this past week he was, like you said, he shot 42% from three, but that was on eight attempts per game. Like that's some, that's some volume, right? And that's what you want to see out of your, you know, the guy you want to be your second fiddle in the offense, right? Just he, and Tim Hardaway Jr., he has no conscience at all, um, like I said I mean it was almost to his detriment against the Jazz there when he took that really bad three but then the next possession down he kind of got stuck and like the shot clock was winding down and he just jacked one from deep and it ended up being the nail in the coffin again uh, for the Jazz so I mean he's he's the type of guy who never wavers on his confidence he's going to shoot regardless if he's got it going or not and I respect that so you know it, it's nice to see him with an uptick in his efficiency the last few weeks, and I hope that
0: continues. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, I feel like I say this every single pod, but I feel like he just fires away from three, misses some open shots, makes some crazy shots. I know there was the one this week from, like, near half court at the end of the the shot clock where he just, like, shot it. I don't know. It was weird, and it went in. That was good but his driving is amazing. He he finishes at the rim every single time it seems like. And you don't think he is he's gonna but he he just does. At this point I've I start to believe that he's gonna make every single drive and miss every single three. But that's miss every single open three and make every single contested three, I should say. But and- I, I'm all in on this guy. And Tom didn't. It wasn't one of the stats you dug up that his his finishing
2: numbers last year were upper echelon, right? Yeah, I mean he does a great job of of uh, get into the ten finishing. And one thing he's just really good at, and among the best on the team and maybe even the league, is playing in transition. Um, I know he had a huge one against the Jazz too, like a nice run out where he just when he's out in the open court, he's so quick and just so crafty you really don't expect him to miss any of those types of layups I'm looking at the stats now he uses 20 percent of his possessions on transition plays and he makes 1.18 points per possession so it's 63rd percent high in the league it's good right it's not I and I, I bet that number is gonna start going up too because he's just watching him you see he's one of the better players in the open court especially for his size in the league yeah and i Man,
1: this is where I I got that they somewhat overpaid. I mean, it was uh, he was a, a restricted free agent, so there's a little overpay there. Um, in the world of shooting guards, it wasn't a crazy contract. I mean, the thing that was tough was he he finished last year for Atlanta. I f- I forget how many games or how many months it was post All Star break. He averaged something like 18 points, and um, you you kind of thought, okay, that was a good stretch of games. Maybe it's it's a little out of his his comfort zone for this year at least. 18 was kind of my number for this year. He was going to be the straight up second fiddle from the start. He was going to get a lot of shots. I I thought 18 was was kind of the number. I, I think this guy's going to be a 20 point per game guy this year. He a like like Greg kind of <laughs> joked or hinted at or not really, this guy's missing the open ones, which <laughs> feels like there's room a lot of room for error to be corrected there. Um, but yeah, he's kind of, he's a, he's a shot taker, shot maker, a creator. Um, I, I don't know. I know Kenny Poon, who's not on today. His bold prediction was Tim goes for 50 in a game this year. I don't know if I'm in on that yet, but man, I, I think for now, this guy's the 20 point per game shooting guard that the Knicks were (laughs) hoping and praying a little bit that they signed.
2: (laughs) No thoughts on that. No. Um, Yeah. No, sorry. I was actually just looking up some some stats. Believe it or not. Um, no. So yeah, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's taking two wide open threes per game, and he's making thirty seven point five percent of them. That's just not very good. So right, I thank mean, for you. Com- yeah, for comparison, <laughs> Chris Apps Porzingis taking two point four wide open threes a game, making almost fifty three percent of them.
0: I so, feel validated right now.
2: Yeah, that's it's nice when the when the stats back up the eye test. Um, and so yeah, hate why, that. you, you hate that. Um, no. I know. So actually this is even better. Hardaway leads the team in open threes. So on nba.com, an open three is when a player is three feet, like three feet from you, three to six feet away from you wide open is six or more feet away. So Hardaway averages four open threes per game and he shoots 28.6% on them. Thank so, you. Thank you, is, Tom. He doesn't make his open or wide-open threes at a good rate at all. So that is can, to say, uh, you, you expect have to, those
0: numbers to, to come back to earth. Can we, can we get some contested numbers? Are, there, are those with those, or, or is that going to be more work? No, no I mean, I, I could get those too. But yeah,
1: well, the, well, 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 Tom hunts those down because he's our goddamn stat guy. Uh, sorry. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, with those numbers you just threw, threw at us, Tom, I mean, Tim currently on the year is averaging 17.5, 4.4, and 3 assists. I mean, I, and I think those those numbers you just fed us are just feeding all the ideas me and Greg have been yelling at people just without statistics behind them.
0: Yeah, we were just like, he's, you, you're going to have to take our word for it. He's missing stuff. <laughs> he's missing open threes. Yeah, but now that we've been validated, you can trust everything that we've said so far on this podcast. Yeah. Is that true, Jake? No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. It's,
1: I mean, it's through Tim's. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, So his last nine games, I'm just going to read off his points per game. 23, 21, 16, 19, 26, four against Sacramento, which is a tough one. Mm -hmm. 28, 26, 13 against Toronto. So, I mean, you take out that four as the outlier because we're Knicks fans, and I can do that. I mean, that's that's the that's twenty plus. Those those are big numbers. So the,
0: the four also didn't matter because we won by thirty. So right, or twenty seven. Yeah, twenty right, right. seven is the actual number, but we'll we'll round it up to thirty for the fans. We'll call it thirty. Yeah. Yeah, and just
2: real quick, Hardaway shooting about the same percentage on tightly contested threes as he is on wide open threes. So. Um, so that, that was 30,
0: 37. Yeah. Right. About that number 37. Yeah. So you would expect someone to shoot better wide open. Is that <laughs> true? Is that, true? I, that stands I, to reason for me.
1: Yeah. I hate when we do hot takes on this show. It really grinds my gears, the
2: lowest common denominator stuff, but you know, that's what <laughs> sells. Thank
1: yeah. you, Tom for the stats. Yeah. Thanks Tom. Thanks. Well, thank me. That was Tom. Um, yeah, I, and the last topic that I'm not even going to touch upon was I I was going to ask if anyone was bailing on the team, kind of go full tank mode. Like we had our fun this season. And I think we've already made it clear that we're not, Um, you know, keep the ball rolling. I, I I think we're all, we all pretty much said that the experience of kind of going for the playoffs and getting in the playoffs would could, could be just as valuable as the, the potential draft pick that they're missing out on. Um, I don't know if that's hot take or not, but, um, let's go, let's start winding it down with, I, I like, I like this one too. I went with running and upcoming uh, now that I said it, I don't like it, but we've got four games on the slate this week. Uh, we've got the Clippers at home who are in a horrible funk. We get Toronto at home, um, at Atlanta and at the Rockets, which is uh back-to-back, uh, games as well back-to-back days excuse me uh
2: tom would any any expectations things to watch yeah well i mean we wouldn't be a nicks podcast if we didn't note that tim hardaway jr is um expected to per- maybe miss tomorrow's game against the clippers with us with a foot soreness so yeah. you know look out for that hopefully that's not a lingering thing but maybe just some maintenance stuff but you know he's a huge part of the offense so if he misses a, a game in L.A. against the Clippers, like, that's a big loss. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see about that. Also, the back-to-back at the Hawks and then the next night at the Rockets, I can't imagine that Rockets game going well. Like, that's the the best or second-best offense in the league, and the Knicks defense is
0: is hit or miss as it is. So, on the second night of a back-to-back on the road, that's going to be brutal. Um, I'll say that I think it's good that we're playing the Rockets on the second night of a back-to-back because – we're going to lose to them anyway. If we're if we're all going to be honest, so we, you you would rather have them be the second night of a back to back. Okay, how's yeah. that for a hot yeah. take? Look, I kind of don't hate that. The
2: like Jake was saying, as far as giving up on the team, like I, at this point, Porzingis has been so good and just shown a ceiling that I never thought he had. I mean, I had high hopes for him, but not like this—like thirty points per game, take over the game, shut down other teams you know, best player. I don't know. Like his defense has been incredible. His offense has been incredible. So I just didn't expect this. The rest of the season's gravy for me. Like the fact that Porzingis has even been this good and had this potential and he's only 22 years old. I mean, that's, that's another eight years of prime and developing development um, out of this guy. So yeah, whether they go for the playoffs and just miss or they end up, completely sucking the rest of the year like and get a great pick and then have a three-person base of, of Porzingis, Kina and this third pick like it's all good man like you have a player this good this transcended that's what wins championships in the NBA so people are going to want to come play with Porzingis that helps in the free agent market it just everything falls into place when you have one guy who's this good so yep it's all good for me man.
0: Tell all right big pictures. Jake, Jake, Jake. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the week with with you. Uh so the Clippers okay. game. I just found this stat. The Clippers have beat the Knicks ten times in a row. <laughs> gotta so, end. It's gotta end. So let's let's take the W there. The Raptors just beat us by a lot without Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell, and Delon Wright. I don't know how much Delon Wright plays, but he's on the team and he didn't play. I like him. So that's like that's bad that that, that happened. So I'm, I'll am i be honest with you, Raptors game, I'm probably going to put it in the loss column Okay. for now. We'll, we'll give ourselves a 40% chance of winning that one. I'm calling that the
1: pivot game of the week, Greg, because okay. I think we're, we're expecting to win the Clippers game. We'll see yep. with Tim Hardaway Jr., but they've been playing some bad basketball. We'll see. Um, Toronto seems like the pivot game and kind of an interesting game, right? Because this was the first... Kind of the first game that this Knicks team has played like ugly basketball, so you're you're kind of going to think you you that sports mentality like okay we went up to their place we didn't bring our a game now they're coming to our house let's give them the goods that, or that's what you'd want to see. Yeah, um, I, I think that's definitely the pivot game and where I thought Tom was going with Tim Hardaway Jr. was um, his return to Atlanta. I think that's going to be kind of interesting. Um, you know, a team kind of doesn't match your offer sheet. That's <laughs> it's kind of an awkward thing. Like, oh, that team thinks you're worth that much? <laughs> no thanks, brother, man. Um, so I think that's something to watch if Timmy's, if Tim laces them up at Atlanta. And yeah, at second night back to back at Houston, I've positive spin. The last time they had a back to back, I was big on, well, hey, they're probably going to conserve some minutes and we might see some Willie, which we did. Um, so hey, if it's going to be a free throw, free free, free falling, no, free flowing Uh, game against Houston. Hey, get Willie in there, have Frank Jackson threes. And again, it's, that's a huge, see what's there. And, you know, pull Frank aside before the game and say, Hey man, we're going up against Houston and James Harden. We're going to need points tonight. If you're open,
0: jack it up. Um, That, that would be my, what, what to watch for. So you, what do we got two on two and two? You got it sounds like you might have three and one, but me and Tom got two and two. Two and two. Toronto's the pivot game.
1: Yeah, let's say two and two. The Knicks, <laughs> the Knicks have slowed down a little bit. I'll uh, I'll be optimistic for three and one. Um, so guys, final thoughts and anything you think we missed or we we should have covered through throughout the Knicks
2: Knicks org. I really jumped the gun on my final thoughts. Like that whole like the rest of the season. Oh my god, thing, that like, was awesome though. That was clearly my final thoughts, and I thought I was done. I was ready to pack it up, but uh, no, I, I said all I need to say.
0: All right. I'll say that we're, we're going to want to watch for how people continue to guard Chris Stapps. So we're going to want to watch to see if he becomes a better passer, and if he starts getting some calls on this physicality, uh, people are just throwing him around. If, if people get – one or two fouls on that call in the first quarter, first half, that'll be huge for us. That's, yeah. That'll limit that throughout the rest of the game. So watch out, and watch out for Chris come back with vengeance once he starts getting those calls.
1: Yeah, Greg, yeah, I like the Chris Stapp's passing a lot thing because I think Tom, Tom made the great point that Chris Stapp's showing that he can do this has already kind of opened up Pandora's box for the Knicks. It's kind of a world that – we didn't even know we'd have an opportunity to get to, and now it's it's going to be the. I wouldn't even say necessarily his next level, but if he can start passing out of those double teams and it, it's, it, Ken used to, or Ken loves to touch upon it how Chris Stapps does straight up shoot over people because <laughs> he can. He's seven three with with that links wingspan. Sometimes he doesn't even do a move. He just rises up. Shoots it. Um, it's you're right. It, you'd like to think that echoes over to passing, which is normally something I don't feel strong about. Because you guys know I love the point guard. I, I I I just love that position. And when they're passing, that makes the whole team better and all of it. Um, it's you know Chris Depps doesn't necessarily need that creativity or <laughs> dynamicness just because he'll be able to see everything. <laughs> Um so yeah, I I love that as a what to watch for. And yeah, Frankie Smokes, pull it, babe. All right, boys. Well, it was a pleasure. Thanks for uh for listening. Thanks for talking next with us. Give us a uh, follow us on Twitter. We got John Boy and some of the other guys putting out some tweets and gifts that'll rock your socks. Oh boy. Um but um and yeah, check out uh, we got some good articles on a lot of basketball, talking next. Um, I'm doing some talking husky stuff. We still got talking yanks going on. We're just talking, babe. So thanks for listening. Um, and we'll uh, we'll see you boys next week, all
2: right? All right, thanks guys.